thank you, Lord, for this precious moment. And that you named yourself I am because there's nothing more precious than the moment we're in. And so we recognize this moment and we live in this moment and we are changed by you in this moment. And your word breathes new life in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, are y'all ready? Yes. <laughs> Next Sunday, May the 23rd, is Pentecost Sunday. <laughs> we remember it as the birth of the church when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the remnant of believers in Jerusalem after the crucifixion and ascension and resurrection of Jesus. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> But long before that day, it is known in Israel as Shavuot, or the Feast of Weeks, okay? It was one of the three major feasts that were required by the Lord, okay? The first major feast was Passover, okay, where the lambs were slain in remembrance of the deliverance of God's people from Egypt, okay? Jesus the perfect Lamb of God who was slain, um, who took away the sins of the world, he was crucified during Passover. Okay? Then, the first day after the first Sabbath following Passover was the, known in Israel as the Day of First Fruits. It's when the people of Israel would bring their first sheath from the, from the um, harvest to the Lord as the first fruits of their offering, okay? That was the day that Jesus rose from the dead, okay? So from this day of first fruits, the people of Israel were to begin counting the days in anticipation of the celebration of the harvest, okay? And they were to count off 49 days or seven weeks, and this was a time of great expectancy of the provision of the Lord and the abundance of the harvest that was coming. Okay? So the day after, 49 days, was this day of the Feast of Weeks, or Shavuot, or it is also known as the Feast of Harvest. Okay? when the people of the Lord would bring their offerings from the harvest into the house of the Lord to celebrate the goodness of God. And it was a big, big celebration. Okay? So it was the, it was the 50th day from the day of first fruits. That is why it is also called Pentecost. Penta means 50. Okay? So 50 in Israel was a number that represented freedom and generosity and abundance because every 50th year in Israel was known as the year of Jubilee, where all debts were canceled and all slaves were set free. Okay? You guys are good so far? Okay. So it was on this day, this feast of weeks, this feast of harvest that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. 
And 3,000 people were saved in that day as the beginning of the harvest. And it is a day where we celebrate, just like every day, we celebrate the victory of the resurrection and the cross of Jesus Christ and the power of his spirit in us to advance the harvest on the earth. Okay? Are you guys okay? You ready? All right. I'm going to switch mics so it doesn't cut out, okay? It was three strikes. <laughs> three strikes. All right. Okay. So let me find. Okay. So <laughs> if I trip over this, it's okay. You can laugh. It's okay. I'll probably laugh too. <laughs> so, okay. So on the calendar right now, where we are with Pentecost being next week, we're in that counting period, that period of expectancy where we're supposed to be counting the days and celebrating the harvest that is to come. Okay? Anybody feel expectant? <laughs> I know one thing, if I go out and I listen to the voices of the world, it doesn't feel very expectant. But when I get in the presence of God and I get among his people and I see what he's doing, I can't help but feel anything but the most expectant I've ever been. Because a bigger harvest is coming than has ever been before. Okay? Are you guys okay? <laughs> okay? This time was, this, this day of Shavuot, or the Feast of Harvest, was also known as um, the very first Shavuot, after the very first Passover, it's believed that that was the day that Israel entered into the covenant of the law with the Lord at Mount Sinai, okay? So when they were at the bottom of the mountain and they responded, everything the Lord says, we will do. And they received the divine law. They entered into this covenant relationship with the Lord that they considered to be like a marriage. Okay? Well, we tend to think of the law as a bad thing. But they don't. They consider it to be a beautiful relationship of a covenant with God that no one else in the world has. Okay? Let me read to you this excerpt from an article I read this week in the J Jewish journal as they're preparing for their feast of Shavuot next Sunday. Okay? It says, Shavuot is also like a wedding. God the groom becomes unified with Israel the bride. It is an act of sanctification, like standing under the chuppah, the wedding canopy, stating our vows of commitment and loyalty to our betrothed. The Torah, which is the law, the centerpiece of this ceremonial recreation is the heart and soul of our relationship with the divine. It reflects the mind of our creator and the intention of God's will and purpose for each of us. It is the vows of a devoted spouse the clarifying wisdom of a teacher, and the guidance of a great sage. The Torah is the tree of life deeply rooted in the past with branches that reach to the future, constantly blossoming with new leaves and luscious fruit that nourishes our souls and expands our awareness in the present. 
She remains constant in our life from generation to generation, yet is renewed and re-understood by each person who engages with her. She offers pearls of wisdom to those who love her and a crown to those who challenge her. She sets a calendar of festivals, bringing meaning, joy, and celebration, and she outlines the history we must remember and honor so that we know from where we've come. The Torah draws our people together so that they gather, listen, and learn, and it creates opportunities to sing, realigning us with the heavenly choir. Isn't that beautiful? If they can feel that way about the law, which according to Romans 8.2 is the law of sin and death, how much more should we recognize and celebrate the covenant that we have with God. That didn't, it didn't get initiated with the blood of lambs, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And it didn't get sealed by us agreeing to keep the law. It got sealed by us receiving the sacrifice of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the law of the Spirit in life sets us free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Okay? For 2 Corinthians 1, 18 through 22 says this, But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. But in Jesus it has always been Yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you to stand firm in Christ. He has anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit within our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Okay, we are also in a covenant relationship with God. It is also like a marriage. We are the bride of Christ. And he has gone to prepare a place for us, but he has left us his Holy Spirit as a deposit or as an engagement ring, like guaranteeing and solidifying and sealing our place in relationship with him and the harvest that is to come. Okay, you guys okay so far? Okay, so one of the passages of scripture that is read every year during the, the Jewish celebration of Shavuot is the story of Ruth. It is set during the time of the harvest. It is set during the time of this, this counting period, this period of expectation where you're expecting the provision of the Lord and the abundance of the harvest, Okay. It is also a love story with a marriage, but it is not a love story in the way that you might think, okay? Contrary to popular opinion, this is not a love story between Ruth and Boaz. This is a love story of the covenant of God with his bride. And it is beautifully demonstrated by all the people, all the major characters in the story. And his, his love or this, the, um, the spirit of the law, which manifests the heart of God, is visible in all the characters. They speak the language of covenant. 
And all three characters show a courageous resolve to lay their life down for the sake of someone else. And this is how God loves us. And this is what they demonstrated to one another. Okay? I'm sorry if I ruined that story for you. (laughs) It's a greater love story than that. It's, it's greater than you, than, you, than you think on the surface, okay? But because they had this, this resolve to lay their life down for the sake of one another and to, to show the love of God, they became part of the greatest harvest in the history of the world because Ruth and Boaz became great-grandparents to King David and Naomi became his great-great-grandmother and then generations later, King Jesus, Okay, so about 12 years ago, the Lord took me to the story of Ruth, and he said, I want you to learn the language of covenant, specifically the language of a bride, because that's our relationship with the Lord. Okay, so when we learn the language of sons, we gain access to the inheritance of the house of our father. But when we learn the language of a bride, we increase the harvest because then we've learned how to love. Okay? Do you want me to say that again? (laughs) When we learn the language of sons, we gain access to the inheritance of the house. But when we learn the language of a bride, we increase the harvest, because then we've learned how to love. Okay? So, if you have a Bible, you could turn to... Uh, the book of Ruth, chapter 1. Sorry, that was the beginning. (laughs) So the story of Ruth begins by telling us that there was a famine in the land. So it starts with a great famine, and it ends with a great harvest. Okay? So because of this famine, a man named Elimelech left his hometown of Bethlehem with his wife Naomi to go live in the country of Moab. And while they were there, his two sons married Moabite women. So soon after, all three men died, leaving three widows. Then Naomi heard that the famine had ended in her homeland. And so she left the place that she was staying and she turned toward home. And her two daughters-in-law started to follow her. But Naomi, in this unselfish love, turned around and blessed her daughters-in-law and told them they could go home. Now, the reason that this was an unselfish act of love is because it would have been her daughters-in-law's duty to take care of her for the rest of her life. But she said, I'm releasing you from this debt. It's okay, you can go home. But both girls said, no, we won't leave you. And so she said, hey, I have nothing to offer you. There is nothing in it for you if you come with me. Nothing. Like, my life is over. Your life will be over. There's nothing in it for you. And so one of the girls turned around and went home. And so she again tried to get Ruth to go home. But instead of doing that, Ruth turned around and made a declaration of commitment. So let's read that in chapter 1, verse 16. (laughs) 
But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me be it ever so severely, if anything but death, separate you and me. <laughs> That's the language of covenant. There's no conditions. There's no negotiation. There's no loopholes. Naomi had already told her, there's nothing in it for you. It's just a statement of unwavering commitment. Okay? And this wasn't just to Naomi's death. This was to Ruth's death. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It can't be explained. It sounds crazy. But that's what love is. It's irrational. It's intentional. It speaks about unwavering commitment of this is what I will do for you regardless of what you do for me because that's the way God loves us. So in that moment, Ruth was demonstrating the love of this God of Israel she had heard about. She was demonstrating it to a person, Naomi. Okay? You guys okay so far? The language of a bride speaks without agenda. It speaks love without agenda and commitment without condition. It speaks love without agenda and commitment without condition because she knows the value of partnership. See, the enemy wants us in self-mode, self-protection, self-seeking, self-sufficient, because he knows he's, he's robbing us of the gift of partnership. Because partnership multiplies the harvest. Okay? Let me say that again. <laughs> when we are in self-mode, self-sufficient, self-protection, self-seeking, it robs us of the gift of partnership because partnership multiplies the harvest. Okay? Are you guys okay? So when Ruth and Naomi, when they got to the land of Israel, it was the beginning of the harvest season in Israel. So Ruth, fulfilling her vow to Naomi to take care of her, went out into the fields to see what she could gather from the harvest so that they could eat. Okay, this was a law in Israel. Every landowner was to leave the corners of their fields unharvested so that the widows and the orphans and those without land could come and have enough food to eat, okay? So while Ruth is out, it says that she wandered into the field of Boaz. And when she did that, she made a really bold and outrageous request. She asked if she could go gather the sheaves among the harvesters, okay? This was more than what was required. The law required her to do, or with them to do for her. But Ruth knew something about covenant. She understood the language of covenant. 
And so if this covenant that God had with his people was about love, not the letter of the law, but a covenant of love, then that means God did not just want her and Naomi to have just enough in the land of God's promises. Because she had no leverage to make this request, okay? She had no regard for her reputation. She was willing to be a part of the harvest she received. But what she was unwilling to do was not be courageous enough to believe in the abundance of this God they had covenant with. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay. So even though she was new, she's like, hey, this is not just for me. This is for the sake of someone else. And I understand something about covenant. It's I know enough to know that to believe this is supposed to be the time of expectancy. This is supposed to be the time where we are anticipating the celebration of the harvest. Surely God is bigger than this. Okay? So then Boaz comes upon the scene, and he notices her. But he doesn't notice her because it's love at first sight. He notices her because her courage has put her in a position that she otherwise wouldn't be in. And she's like, he's like, who is this girl? Like, she doesn't, she doesn't belong here. But her courage put her here. So I want to know who she is. And then when they, because he was a nobleman, he was a leader, and he understood the covenant of the Lord. And so when they told her, hey, this is Ruth, he's like, I've heard about this girl and her devotion to Naomi. And she's come to take care of someone that she didn't have to take care of. And she's come among a people, a strange people, when she didn't have to come. And she's laying her life down for the sake of someone else. And I'm going to bless that. Okay? So then Boaz demonstrated the love of God for Ruth, just like Ruth did for Naomi. And just like Naomi did for Ruth. And so he let her, for the rest of the harvest season, he let her gather where she, where she wasn't required by the law to be. He let her gather with the rest of the harvesters of his house. So basically, the order of the harvest was, the men would go and harvest the fields, and then the, woman, the women... The, the women servants of the house would go behind them and gather the sheaves and bundle them up, and those belonged to the house, okay? So he was letting Ruth go just where the servants of his house would go, and, but she let him, her keep all that she gathered when it really belonged to him, okay? And he even told his harvesters, hey, don't ever tell her she's not where she's supposed to be. Don't embarrass her. And even leave some extra behind for her to pick up. Because that's the heart of God. Because it's about the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. And that's something that Boaz understood. Okay? So the language of a bride, it makes, she makes bold and outrageous requests because she knows the favor of covenant. And because it's not about her, it's about the world around her. Okay? All right? Are you guys Okay? Okay, so, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank you, so, <laughs> so Ruth worked this way in Boaz's field for the rest of the harvest season, and God blessed her and Naomi abundantly, 
And at the end of the harvest season, it was this day of Shavuot, this feast of the harvest, and th- this day of Pentecost as we know it. It was, it was coming up. And Naomi had hoped all this time that another law in Israel would be recognized and acted on. And this was the law of redemption. So the law of redemption was that if a man died, then his nearest kinsman was supposed to, he had the right and the responsibility to come and buy his kinsman's land so that the inheritance of that family could continue. Okay? And if the man died leaving a widow, then he was supposed to marry his widow's, his brother's widow so that they could carry on the family line. Okay, so all this time, Naomi had been hoping that Boaz, who was a kinsman of her husband, would come and redeem the land and marry Ruth. But it had been seven weeks and nothing had happened. Okay, so Naomi, out of her care for Ruth, said, okay, I'm going to at least make sure that you get taken care of, that you get married. And so she sent Ruth to Boaz during the night when the harvest had ended, he was sleeping in the threshing floor to, to watch over the harvest and keep it from thieves. So her instructions were, go to Boaz while he's sleeping, uncover his feet, and lay down at his feet. Now that seems really strange, doesn't it? You're, sometimes you read things like that, and you're like, what is this? I don't know. But according to the law of redemption, in Deuteronomy chapter 25, if a kinsman refused to marry his brother's wife, she could go to him in public and remove his shoes, leaving him in bare feet, and this would result in shame and humiliation that he did not fulfill his duty as a kinsman redeemer. Okay? So when Ruth went to him and uncovered his feet, she was reminding him of his responsibility as a kinsman redeemer. But the difference is she went to him in private because of his kindness and because of his character and her character. She was giving him the opportunity in private to recognize his responsibility. Okay? So when she said, spread the corner of your garment over me, she was proposing marriage. Okay? She was laying at his feet in the middle of the night, and she's like, hey, will you marry me? (laughs) Okay? But what she was really doing is she was in a position of surrender, saying, here's my life. I am yours if you want me. Because it's not about me. She, she was not from Israel, okay? It's not about me. I have a mother-in-law who has a family line, and I'm honoring her, and I'm putting myself at your feet because I'm trusting your protection in this matter, okay? That's surrender because a lot of times we're like, we get too wrapped up with surrender of like, what am I going to lose? What is God going to ask me to do? But when we come with a, what will you do with me for the sake of someone else? Then we get it. That's the language of a bride, okay? Does that make sense? Okay, so Boaz had every legal loophole in the law to refuse her, okay? 
she, he came, she came to him in private so his reputation wouldn't be harmed. She, um, she, he was not the nearest kinsman. There was another one who was nearer, and she was not from Israel, so the law didn't require him to take care of her. He could have redeemed the land for Naomi because she was from Israel, but he didn't have to marry Ruth, okay? So, but Boaz said, I will go to court for you, and I will go to court with the nearest kinsman, and I will take care of it. Don't worry. So he goes to court the next day, and the nearest kinsman says, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll redeem the land. I'll take it. I'll, I'll do it. And Boaz says, hey, if you want to redeem the land, you have to marry the bride. And so then the kinsman says, hey, that's too high a price. That's going to affect me. I, I'll take the land, but I don't want the bride. She's not worthy. She's not good enough. She's not from here. I'm not required to do that. So I won't pay the price for the bride. So then Boaz said, I will pay the price. I will take the land and I will marry the bride. Because that's what Jesus did in the wilderness with the devil. When the devil said, you see all the kingdoms of this world? They can be yours. You can redeem the land without paying the price for the bride. And Jesus said, no, I'll pay the price. I'll take the cross because I want the bride. <laughs> that's the kind of love that always protects. And that's why we can put ourselves in a position of vulnerability at his feet and say, hey, you can take me. I don't, it's not about me. It's not about what I deserve. It's not about what I'm worthy of. It's not about what I do or don't do. It's not about any of that. It's what will you do with me for the sake of someone else because you are my protector and I can trust you and I can make these outrageous requests of you because you're going to cover me and because you're going to know, you're going to know when to extend my boundaries and when to draw me in close. That's the language of covenant. That's the language of a bride. So let's stand up. <laughs> just, just take a minute. You just take a minute. <laughs> you just... You just turn your attention to this relationship that we have. That, that those out there in the world, they don't have access to. We have something that sets us apart, that makes us bold. that makes us courageous, that, that lets us put our stake in the ground and says, this is what I will do regardless of what other people do. You know, Chris Vallotton says something like this. We don't honor other people because they are honorable. We honor other people because we are honorable.
because we have access to a love that they do not know and to a position of favor that they do not have. And when we understand the language of covenant and the language of a bride, that's when he can trust us to increase the harvest. Okay, so Pops, you can start the, the music. And I want you to, whatever, this is the seed, like this is the time set aside on the calendar. I know we do this every day, but there's a time set aside on the calendar. It's the season of expectancy. It's the season where we're counting the days. It's the season where we can't wait to celebrate and where we do celebrate the harvest even before it comes. Whatever your expectancy level is, let him raise it. <laughs> However much you believe, let him increase it. Whatever it is you're asking for, ask for more. he's that good and we will not live in poverty in the land of God's promises we will not sit in the corner when we have a place behind the harvest he's too good for that his love is too great for that think he's capable of ask him to increase it <laughs> whatever you've been praying for right now I just ask the Holy Spirit to give you a renewed sense of urgency a renewed sense of hope a renewed sense of expectancy that it's coming it's coming it's coming it's coming and it's here, and it's coming more, and it's here, and it's coming more, and it's here, and it's coming more, and it's here, and it's coming more. Because this is the season of harvest. This is the season of harvest. And we have to know the language of covenant. So we know our position, but also the world sees the love of God visible in us that the world is invited into our love story. But they can't be invited into our love story if we aren't living in our love story. The language of the bride increases the harvest. So you guys can just stay for a few minutes, worship. You can be released whenever you're ready prayer team, you can come up. I just invite you to ask him to increase, to increase, to increase. Whatever you think it is, ask him to increase it.